This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit calcedon.edu. That's C-H-A-L-C-E-D-O-N dot E-D-U to download this book in PDF format or to purchase this book. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by Rusus John Rushduni. Copyright 2007, Mark R. Rushduni. Published by Calcedon Ross House Books. P.O. Box 158, Vallecito, California, 95251. All rights reserved. The Cure of Souls, Recovering the Biblical Doctrine of Confession by R.J. Rushdini. Chapter 47, Confession and Inquisition. God requires confession, both a confession of sin and sins, and a confession of faith. Confession is thus, in a double sense, an important aspect of the Christian life, a mandatory one. The important question, however, is this. Can the state or church require it? First, in biblical law, there is no permission for the civil order to require confession. In Joshua 7, the sin of Achan led to Israel's defeat. God then supernaturally made it clear that Achan was the guilty man, together with his family. Joshua then said, quote, Unto Achan, my son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done, hide it not from me. End quote. From Joshua 7.19 Achan was asked to give honour to God whose supernatural action had uncovered Achan's guilt, because sin uncovered and judged is less fearful than sin covered and unjudged. However, even though God himself had uncovered Achan's sin, and Achan confessed, civil legality still required, in terms of God's law, corroboration. This was found, and Achan and his family were executed. It is evidence of how far Judaism has strayed from the faith that Rashi held that Achan was executed because he had violated the Sabbath. Two witnesses, or two forms of witnesses, were required, from Numbers 35.30, Deuteronomy 17.6, 19.15-16, and so on. God nowhere empowers man to seek confession in civil matters, although he, on occasion, can himself confront men with their guilt. Second, in the church, again, two or more witnesses are required. Thus, in Matthew 18.15-17, our Lord declares, quote, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as an heathen man and a publican. St. Paul declares, with regard to sinners in the Corinthian church, quote, In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. End quote. From 2 Corinthians 13.1 Again, with respect to accusation within the church, Paul writes, Quote, 
against an elder received not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. End quote. From 1 Timothy 5.19. This is a telling statement because Paul because St. Paul here forbids even hearing charges, let alone trying them, unless there are two or three witnesses to the charges made. There is another reference to this matter of the witnesses necessary for civil conviction in Hebrews 10.28, so that the law of witnesses obviously applied to the church, to church and to state. Confessions were not alone valid, nor could they be extricated from any man. Roman law favoured forced confessions, as did all pagan laws. The church in its development within Rome disentangled itself from the compulsory confessional system of the empire. Its requirement was rather that men, led of God, confessed their sins and made restitution. It was thus a moral requirement in the main. The issue is a very, very important one. Mandatory confession in either church or state always leads to torture. Robert Held in Inquisition, 1985, called attention to the fact that the incredibly evil instruments of torture used in Inquisitions are still used by many modern states in various continents. He cited three ecclesiastical Inquisitions. 1. The medieval or papal one against primarily the Albigensians, but also used elsewhere, from 1231 to circa 1400. 2. The Roman Inquisition for the Suppression of Protestantism, established in 1542 by Pope Paul III. And 3. The Spanish Inquisition, used by the Crown to centralise its power. Can we call it an accident in history that auricular confession was made mandatory at least once a year before communion by the Fourth Lateran Council in 1215 and that in 1215 that same council made the persecution of heretics the business of synodical courts? In 1148 the Inquisition began its work against the Albigensians in southern France. Consider the implications of mandatory confession. It requires, implicitly, a confession not only of sin, but also of faith, faith as the Church defines it. This gives enormous power to the Church. It compels the faithful to make a double confession. If the Church can compel confession, it can logically also compel an undeviating, unswerving obedience to the Church's confession of faith. This then vindicates an inquisition. The same is true in the state. The US Constitution's Fifth Amendment was intended to prohibit all coerced confessions. No man could be compelled to testify against himself. This, however, is precisely what Congress compels witnesses to do, pretending to grant them immunity from prosecution. This immunity is rapidly eroding. Even the idea of compulsory self-incrimination with or without immunity is ungodly. The question of the relationship of confession and inquisition is an essential one. Confession is a spiritual necessity before God and, on occasion, before men. But to coerce men into confessing is the essence of all civil and ecclesiastical inquisitions. Inquisitions by civil governments are now commonplace in every continent and their prevalence goes largely unnoticed. 
One of the great evils of all forms of inquisition is that they are justified in the name of protecting society or, at one time, the church. True protection is a moral fact rather than a resort to torture. Pastors and teachers are the necessary line of defence, but, above all, godly families. What we have seen thus far is that confession is a moral necessity. Confession can be made to the church or the clergy. It can be made to the person offended. Depending on the context, one or another of these can be morally required, but they cannot be coerced. It is a great evil to assume that because a particular goal is good, any means to it partakes of that good. In fact, evil means create evil ends. Churches have suffered for their failures here. Psychotherapy is more and more discredited and the power state is committing suicide. The link between confession and inquisition must be broken, morally, legally and in practice. The world is moving into terrorism because its premises are very agreeable to it, civilly and ecclesiastically. Terrorism justifies itself by pointing to the ostensible evils of its targets. This has been the justification of tyrants over the centuries. It is particularly reprehensible that the church has involved itself in this justification. The decline of religious confession is both very sad and yet very necessary. The connection with the evil abuses of the concept of over the centuries needs to be broken. This is the end of chapter 47. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.